Take out your Bibles, if you would, with me. In fact, we're going to go to two places. We're going to go to John 6, and then we're going to go to Matthew 14. John chapter 6, Matthew 14. In fact, on the back of the bulletin, uh, my title message, I'm going to change it. Uh, in fact, you can cross out, you serve them. In fact, tell your neighbor that. You serve them. Come. You serve them. So John chapter 6. And then Matthew 14, I'll get there in a minute. In fact, the, the verse that we've been reading every Sunday, kind of kicking off as we've been uh, this first of the year, reading through the book of John, is John chapter 6, verse 35, in Jesus' words, when he says this, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Oh, he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You know, in Matthew 5, 6, the servant of the Beatitudes. Jesus, in fact, one of probably the largest uh, sermons of people that the people heard him say, he said this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then it goes on, For they shall be filled. That's what we've been talking about. It's that hungering that this would be a year that we would hunger and thirst for his righteousness. I also want to read this, and though we have it in our bulletin every week, and though I probably don't highlight it enough, uh, I know that this little saying that I put in there was not something that I thought was clever, but reminded us of who we are here at the Hills Church. And it says this, we look to Jesus to serve our neighbors, nations, and generations through his love and power. We look to Jesus to serve, in fact, probably today would be that we're serving our neighbors. Jesus was asked, well, who is my neighbor? And the reply came back, right? It's really anybody that crosses your path, anybody that you can serve. Now, before we get to John 6, 6, I do want to drop just a couple verses. In fact, John 4, 4. Uh, when Jesus is going through Samaria and he's going to meet the woman at the well, there's just this one phrase, and it says this, but he needed to go through Samaria. But he needed to go through Samaria. Many times in his ministry, uh, people came upon him. But in this instant, the Holy Spirit was speaking to him that he needed to go through. He needed to go through Samaria. Here's what I pray today. As you're gathering these boxes at the end of service, and as we'll take time to pray, that there's going to be a place that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart that you need to go through. And in going through, it might only be one person like the, the woman at the well, but it was that one person, and though the conversation was a little uncomfortable, when uh, Jesus said, go call your husband, and she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, you said it right. You have five, and you're living with a guy right now, right? Now, she did change the subject a little bit, a little uncomfortable situation, but her testimony back to her town was, come meet a man that told me any, everything I ever did. That conversation with that one woman opened up a town that people wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, and we don't see this much in the scriptures. He stays there two days. 
two days that he stays there. In, in, uh, as we're going to look today, in John chapter 4, verse 32, as Jesus talks about the bread of life and talks about the ministry set at hand. I love this phrase because in the midst of that conversation with the woman in the town, the disciples got him food and they keep seeing, you know, Master, Rabbi, eat. And he uses that phrase, I have food to eat of that you know not of. I always love that part because I think they thought he had a protein bar somewhere stashed in a back pocket or what do you mean you sent us to the village to get food and you had food no his food was to the, do the will of his father that fed him spiritually it doesn't mean that he didn't hunger it fed him spiritually to connect with one of God's kids you know in our men's conference uh, in February you can actually go on the website and listen to uh, the speaker Greg Kokel one of the things he told us right from the beginning he said, in every conversation that I talk with somebody that I don't know, I remember this. I'm one of God's gardeners. I'm gardening. You know, it, when, the minute he said that, I remembered that verse that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, where the Apostle Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So if I have that thought in those conversations that I have, that I'm, that I'm gardening, that I'm planting seed, God's going to send somebody else to water, and then he's going to get the increase. Now remember this, too many times, I think we like to see our name at the end, that we get the increase. You know, we can't save a soul. We can't heal a body on our own. It's him, the one that gets the increase. But he needs people that are planting. He needs people that are watering. And that's why Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God is the one that got the increase. And so I usually ask myself, that, well, what can I do in all of this? What can I do? It's usually the various simplest things that unlock the biggest doors. We have these little keys that open up huge doors. It's the little keys that unlock hearts if we're thinking about that we're a gardener. Now, as we read John 6 and as we read Matthew 14, I want to remind uh, all of us, it was good for me to, to refresh and think about this too. The disciples had already gone out two by two. Jesus sent them out. He told them to heal the sick, right? Cleanse the leper. If a home lets you in, go on in. If they don't let you in, knock the dust off, the, off your sandals and go on. And he used this word, don't take anything with you. Don't take anything with you. They were to depend completely on his word and them being sent. So that has already happened. The reports that they had back were powerful. But let's read this story in John chapter 6. And it says this. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him he said to Philip 
Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to what? To test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Hey, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? And then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so that the men that sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those who were sitting down, and likewise of the fish, notice what it says, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Now let's go to Matthew 14. Same story. The Holy Spirit wanted Matthew to just grab a couple different things in his writing of it in just a few verses. Matthew 14, 13 through 21. And he says this. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away. Say that last part with me. Send the multitudes away. One more time, say it again. Send the multitudes away. They're telling Jesus, right, hey, let's not bother with this crowd. Send them away. That they may go into the village and buy food. And Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we are here only have five loaves and two fish. And he said to them, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves. And the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed, and he broke, and he gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remain. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men besides women and children. So, Father, we pray today. We thank you the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And, Lord, work on our hearts that we are not people that want to send people away, but we're people that are wanting to partner with you 
to show compassion, to show care. Teach us how to do that. We thank you. Our hearts are open in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So in John chapter 6, that, that verse 5, it says this, that Jesus lifted his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming to him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that they may eat? He said this to test him. Now remember, I had already said they'd already gone out two by two. They'd already seen the works of God. And yet he was trying to figure out how he could, in fact, 200 denarii would be about $34, which back then would be a lot of money. But he was trying to figure out, how could I take this little amount and go buy bread, and it would only be a little bit for somebody. Just a little bit. But it was a testing. And I love what Jesus did, because he's in the middle of probably being exhausted from a trip. He's just heard about John the Baptist being beheaded his cousin, but he, in this section of scripture, he lifts up his eyes to look and see a multitude of people coming. What would happen at six o'clock tonight that 150 people descended on your house? Uninvited. <laughs> ding, 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 and they just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, and somebody in your house said, do you have anything to eat? Oh, and you think, I've got you know, we could reheat some macaroni and cheese. Uh, I got some cup of noodles. I got a few bags of chips. Kids, you got anything in your room? I mean, would that stress some of you out? Uh, can you imagine calling a pizza guy and saying, I, you know, I need 200 large pizzas, like now? The disciples don't know what to do. It's actually a test for them. But Jesus is intentionally looking at the people and as we read in Matthew, he's moved with compassion. He sees their needs. He sees what he can do. And he asks that crazy question. Now, how are we going to feed them all? In fact, it's almost like he puts it right back on his disciples. We don't have enough. Matthew says, they say, let's get rid of them, right? Let's get rid of them. No, he has that other heart. In fact, I always think that he's doing this. He's testing my faith in my heart. It's that test back. He's testing me on what I believe. He's testing me on trusting him. And Andrew says, hey, I, I got something. I took a little boy's lunch, right? We can start with his loaves and fish. And boy, what a powerful thing that we see that Jesus has everyone sit down. We'll look at Matthew again in a minute. Matthew, it says he looks up to heaven. And I love that part because it always reminds me that I'm to look up to him. Jesus didn't need to look up. He knew what he could do. But he looked up to the, the Father, and in John, it mentions that he gives thanks. And he's not just coming to give them something to eat, just to satisfy their physical thing. He's the bread of life, right? He's that bread of life. He wants to give them that bread of life. He wants something more than a deposit in their stomach. He wants their spirits to eventually come alive. He's not blessing the food and giving thanks for what's about to happen. Uh, or he's actually, that's what he's doing. He's giving thanks for what's about to happen, and he's going to take something that's so small and looks so meaningless to feed 5,000 men. Matthew says women and children. You know, I was doing some, some uh, fuzzy math. 
So let's say it was just a third of these guys had wives. And let's just say there was only one or two kids in the third, right? It's still seven or 8,000 people, potentially, that could have been out there to feed. But he knew what he was going to do. He is the one that always satisfies. Always satisfies. You know, you can eat the best meal of your life. You ever had the best meal of your life? You have the best meal of your night. Do you know that in six to eight hours you're hungry again? <laughs> it didn't last, did it? You thought eating the best meal of your life would last weeks. I don't need to eat again for weeks. And you're hungry again in six to eight hours. What Jesus is wanting to deposit in them is something that their hunger is going to be for them, for him. And in that hunger, they're going to be filled by him. I love what he has the disciples do in John 6. He gives them the basket ministry. I want you to go around and I want you to collect all the leftovers. Everything that's left. Don't leave a single thing. And they collect how many baskets? Twelve baskets. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Do you think that's a coincidence? It just happened. You know, Jesus only brought twelve baskets. No, you know, I believe it was to show them that partnering with him in ministry... There's always something left for you. We don't go out and take things out expecting something to, oh, I'm going to do this only because I'm going to get blessed somehow by God. No, no, I go out to do his work, and here's what he's going to do. He's going to do leftovers for you. There's going to be something that he's going to do for you because you're partnering with him in his ministry. And, you know, a lot of people hate leftovers. I love leftovers. In fact, I think sometimes leftovers taste better than when we actually had them before. We know people that hate leftovers, can't stand leftovers, but leftovers always seem good, especially as you add something. There was, a, I remember when I was a little kid and I'd go out with my grandparents and they would hand my grandparents what was called the doggy bag. Anybody remember the doggy bag? It had a, you don't get the doggy bag anymore. You get something else. We had seen a show a couple years ago, it was called Cheapskates. And it was a guy at a restaurant, when he saw that you were about to leave and you had food on your plate, he would go and he would go get your food or ask you for your food off your plate and he'd put it in his container. Many times he would go where a table was completely clear and he would go over and take their food and put it in. He also did it on the night of his anniversary with his wife. He saw somebody eating and, and they were getting ready to leave. And she knew that he was getting kind of fidgety because he was looking at the food that was left. And on his anniversary dinner with his wife, he walked up to this family and he asked them, are you going to finish that? And they said no. And he went and brought his container, filled it up and took it home. Right? That's what he did. That's disgusting, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus has leftovers for the disciples to show them the miracle that he did but to also to show them, hey, when you partner with me, that's a lot of people to hand food out to. There's something for you, right? There's something for you. Matthew chapter 14 uh, shows us a little bit more in the heart of the disciples. Matthew 14, the end of verse 15 and 16, he says this, Send the multitudes away that they may go into the village and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away you give them something to eat. Send them away, right? 
That's too big of an assignment to do. Send them away. How would we even have enough money to buy them food? How would we have enough to take care of them? Here's what Jesus' word to them is. You give them something to eat. You do it. I only have a, a small little care bag I'm going to give out today. Give them. Give it out, right? Watch what I do in their life. Watch what it does because your hand is extended to somebody else. Jesus was always moved with compassion. The disciples wanted to get rid of him, which lets us know in our hearts, one of the things that we always have to work on is that we're not thinking of our own self, that we are seeing the needs that are out, out there. Jesus is telling them, no, you serve them. You serve them. You be the ones going out and serve them. You know, in 2 Kings chapter 4 in the Old Testament, Elisha, you know, he multiplies the bread. But it says he started with 20 loaves and he fed 100. Well, Jesus ups that, doesn't he? Feeds this whole multitude. But interesting, as he fed them, who did the people say that he was? Did they say, now I know because this guy multiplied the bread and the fish, this is the son of the living God. Did they say that? No, they said he's a, he's a prophet. They had in their minds that he was like Moses. And the reason that they thought he was like Moses is because Moses was able to pray and convince God to send manna from heaven so that little bread wafer that they had every morning, that probably was a good example of them. This guy's just like Moses. He's got to be a prophet. That's not what Jesus was. Here's the Son of God taking care of the very needs that they have. In fact, he came to the earth for the sick and the broken, the insecure people that the religious people wanted to ignore. He came to fulfill their deepest need through his love. You know, and I, I think of this, like Solomon. Solomon looked at everything, and he took in wisdom, and he wrote about it in Proverbs. As we begin to look out at, at our communities, we look out at the things that we can do. There's a lesson out there that God has to teach us if we'll lift up our eyes and look. You can inspire someone who is broken. Look at your neighbor. Tell them that. You can inspire someone that is broken. You might have already saved somebody's life by the words that you have said. You've probably already done it a multiple times in conversations by just the words that you said, by the time that you showed, by the care that you showed, because you can inspire someone that is broken. We can offer a meal, we can offer a touch, we can offer a talk, but we have the best thing to offer them that doesn't go away in six hours. It is the true hope of the world, which is Jesus. I love Bob Goff's uh, little quote here, and he says this, if we make loving people a strategy for something else, it isn't love. If we make loving people a strategy for something else, it isn't love. So I want to leave this thought with you today. Um, you give them something to eat. Be like the Apostle Paul. 
The Apostle Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God got the increase. You know, and I always remember this story. I was first in ministry at Valley Community Church. It was probably the year 1988 or 89. I know that dates me a little bit. I'm going into 7-Eleven to get a big gulp. Remember, you go get the big gulp. It was probably one of those back then where they were like a 49-cent day. And I, I was walking into the 7-Eleven, and a guy caught me outside, and he said, do you have any money? And I said, no, I, I, I'm going to get something to drink. Do you want something to drink? And he said, yes. He says, what are you going to get? I said, I'm going to get a big gulp. He says, I'll take a big gulp. I said, why don't you come inside with me? So as we go and we start having this little bit of a conversation, he gets his drink. In fact, if I remember right, uh, he got a bunch of, you know, he kind of went down the line. Got a, they called it suicide uh, before. Um, you only do it once. You drink that thing one time, you never do it. So I remember paying, as I'm paying my dollar or whatever, I remember he walked out the door. And so I was going to walk out when I was done paying. I walked outside and he was gone. I thought, that's weird. Maybe he jumped looking in the cars. He wasn't in a car. Went around the 7-Eleven. He's not on the back street. I'm looking on the roof. I went and I looked north on Santa Anita, south on Santa Anita. I didn't see him at all. I thought, that's weird, right? That's strange. I didn't think anything of it until somewhere, sometime, I was reading in the book of, of Hebrews, and I read this verse, Hebrews 13, 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, you may have entertained angels unaware. I remember when I read that, I kind of had, you ever have goosebumps and they start at the bottom of your feet and they go all the way up to the top of your head? And I, I remember thinking, all right, if there had been any time that it had happened in my life, I was at 7-Eleven with a big gulp. <laughs> I know that that was a reminder when I read that for, for me, that I would take that time, that I would take that opportunity. And then I remember some years later, there's a pastor in New York, Jim Cimbala, and in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, he talks about an Easter Sunday, of all things, not an April Fool's Day, but an Easter Sunday. He was exhausted after all of the services. He sat on the edge of the stage, and he saw this homeless man get up from the back of the auditorium and start walking to him. And the minute he saw this guy coming, he kind of had that letdown. He was tired. He wanted to get out. He wanted to go home. He stood up, and he said when this man was five to six feet from him, he said the smell of this man was so bad. He said, so disgusting. He said he immediately reached into his pocket to grab what he had at the time it was probably a $5 bill. But as he was pulling out, the gentleman said, I don't want your money. I want the Jesus that you were just talking about. He said he became so convicted that he wanted just to pass this gentleman off. They begin to talk, and he begin to hear about his life. This gentleman ended up getting into a uh, detox thing. It was detoxed after six days. He ended up coming on staff at the church doing some maintenance. And the end of the story says that he was ordained as a pastor and put over at a pastor at a New Jersey location. And he said, I was willing to bypass him for $5. You know, I wonder as we do what Jesus said, and he says, you give them something to eat. You know, you can, you can take a box, you can put a, a power bar in it, you can put socks in it, you can put in it whatever else you want to put in. 
But in doing so, you're giving them something. It won't satisfy forever. It's not to make you feel good. You know what it is? It's to make sure that they know that there are people that care for them and are not bypassing them by with the busyness of life. And that helps us fulfill Jesus' mission when he says, you give them something neat, you say, all right, I will, right? I will. Luke chapter 14, verse 23. I love that first part because Jesus uses that uh, illustration and he says, go to the highways and the byways, right? Go out, compel them to come in. Go out, go out. My heart is for all of them out there. Go out and to compel them. I love them, right? I'm thinking of them, but I want to use you to inspire them. That as you inspire them, they'll know that they are on my heart and mind today. Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. Father, we thank you today that the ministry of Jesus is us also taking those baskets out to not only serve, but Lord, that you have intended blessing upon us. Lord, I pray, even as we close out our service today, that you would move on our heart and that there would be places like we read in John 4, 4, places that we need to go through. We need to go through. There's a connection. There's an opportunity to plant and to water. There's an opportunity to see you get the increase. And Lord, in the days that we're living in today, what we see happening in all of our communities, Father, I pray that through our acts of kindness and generosity, that people would feel your love. We bless you this day. Lord, thank you for using us, choosing us to use us in your mission. And we look to you to serve our neighbors. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.